0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for once again tuning in to the Martial Arts Mania podcast. I just wanted to give a quick little introduction for this episode. So, we actually recorded this a couple of weeks ago, right before Gavin left for Japan. So, yes, although I am stating the Academy Award winning Michelle Yeoh, that was just how confident I was in her winning the award. So, a big congratulations to everything, everywhere, all at once, and all the awards it won, including its acting awards for Michelle Yeoh, uh, Ki-Hoo Kwan, and Jamie Lee Curtis. A big surprise there, uh, in my opinion, but well-deserved all around. I also want to apologize about uh, our release schedule being a little off. Our podcast recording provider has had a lot of technical difficulties the last few weeks, and they have made my life very difficult in terms of getting our episodes uh, ready for release. So with all that said, uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. We're talking about a magnificent film. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? And Gavin is back from Japan. So we will be recording a new episode in the next couple of days. And hopefully next week, our episode will drop on Wednesday, as it normally does. So once again, I apologize for the last couple of weeks and our episodes coming out a little bit late. Anyway, thank you for your continued support. Please remember to subscribe, download, share with your friends, like, leave us a review, and here we go. Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin, or the Giza as he is today, which is a great handle for our recording. So uh, we're recording on a different day, recording at a different time. I'm in a different location. I'm actually back in my office space, so I apologize. It's going to be a little more uh, echoey. Uh, but uh, I wasn't able to set up in the closet studio today uh, and Gavin's been working away like a madman before he leaves for Japan for tomorrow. So our schedules have been crunched we've been trying to get this done uh and then we we're having major technical
1: difficulties for the last 20 something minutes of course but and, I, and, and here I, and here i thought you were just having a, a a rough afternoon or something it's like yeah nope we yeah. were both waiting for each other to enter the studio the online studio and he thought fi- I had dying dying students on my side and i thought he was maybe he had fallen down the stairs and couldn't get up nope we and then we finally put one-on-one together
0: what it was actually the uh program that was glitching so we're here we're recording and we are recording this amazing episode today which we will get to soon but
1: what's new on your end my friend oh you well you know what i've been uh working like crazy because i'm going on a very special trip uh to japan uh families over there looking forward to seeing them um they're in the very first town where i i lived uh Outside of Altoona, Pennsylvania, so Imabari, Japan, that's where we're going to be staying. And we're going to, you know, go across the inland sea, the Seto Naikai to visit Hiroshima, Kyoto, Osaka, Tokyo. Also, we're going to go to Takamatsu, which has the best coffee shop in the world as of 2007. Don't know (laughs) if it's still there.
0: So once again, for people that don't know or maybe first-time listeners or relatively new listeners, Gavin grew up
1: in Japan, but you haven't been there since 2007. I believe so. Wow. I believe so because that's I that from all the records I can find, I think it was 2007. Felt like it was soon or not as far back, but wow! I, I'm looking forward to it. My friend in Tokyo,
0: he's good to me. righty. that's what I'm gonna be singing next week when I'm all by myself. We'll we'll still be dropping uh, another episode. In fact, this one we're recording is actually going to come out later than. The one that uh, I'm going to figure one out in the next couple of days. I'm going to hire somebody to replace Gavin temporarily. Higher. Yeah, hired. They're, um, get, they're getting paid.
1: We uh, 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 side
0: of hand. <laughs> ah, as I almost <laughs> knock over my mic. Hold on. Okay, so uh. and And welcome back and welcome back (laughs) yeah it's uh been crazy uh your week's been crazy mine's been crazy a lot of good training took a freaking nasty knee to the ribs and sparring a couple days ago the funny part was no problem made through the rest of class made through class the next day the next day the next day like you know just normal but then today which was a lighter Mm -hmm. training day Mm -hmm. we're hitting the pads i'm feeling great i'm like good good i'm tired but because it's my last training session of the week but i'm like yeah you know uh, normally I, i wouldn't be there on a saturday but uh I didn't have school today. I start again Mm -hmm. next week. So uh, we're hitting the pads. I'm feeling good, feeling good. Then the last round we added in elbows and I throw one elbow and it like stretched, you know, because you turn like really hard and it stretched that part of the rib and just instant like... I was like, oh, uh, like, whereas I had, you know, sparred with it, no problem. Cause it's more of like a muscle. Uh, you know, yeah. I've, I've bruised ribs before, which, and cracked ribs, which are terrible. It's like the worst thing. Cause you have all this energy, you feel great. You go to train and it's just, if you can't breathe, yeah, you can't you die it's
1: it's it's yeah
0: yeah this was more of a muscle one though it's just in a weird spot and sure enough i stretched it i was like ah darn it so yeah hopefully it's all 100 by uh monday so i just gotta rest it up but
1: uh yeah anyways uh martial arts movie news well i'll tell you a quick martial arts uh, new martial arts news uh we just had peter sugarfoot cunningham Woo! our sensei yeah. you're on campus training the modern dancers the most advanced level of our modern dancers had a great session i believe there were we started with 9 we ended with 8 oh snap yeah, it was a two-hour session. I got to tell you, a two-hour session with Peter Sugar Cunningham. These kids put it all on the line. But man, one one came up and said, ah, "I'm feeling a little little uh, nauseous or lightheaded." I'm like, "Oh, you, go ahead, sit down, and get some air." Okay, she, like- she did. She came back and and she came back. She came back into the room and said, "Like, I think I should go home. I'm like, I'm sorry about that. Pack your bags.
0: You're off of the here. team." Exactly. A team is not a team if you don't give a damn about one another. Oh, so you're pulling the quotes today. That I am, but that's an easy one. Best of the best. Best of the best. James Charles Jones. That's great. That's great martial arts news. Yeah. Uh, So martial arts movie news. Yeah. I wrote wrote some fun things down. So uh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, First one. Donnie Yen did a great interview on GQ. So, like, Uh, where actors go on GQ and break down their most iconic performances. So, Donnie Yen's just came out. It was great. He talks about, obviously, the Yit Man series, Wing Chun with Michelle Yeoh, uh, Star Wars, uh, Once Upon a Time in China, too. I was disappointed they didn't do Iron Monkey. So uh, I love that film. That's I too know. bad. I I feel like I mean it was great to see him talk about the ones he talked about, but uh, and he did Hero with Jet Li. But I was like, what mm-hmm. the heck? Iron Monkey for sure. I mean, really over Wing Chun to be honest with you. But maybe it's just you know because that
1: he did that with Michelle Yeoh. Uh, but I, anywho, I, I, so you got to watch the whole the whole interview. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I saw, I, I saw like a, a clip of it on uh, Twitter. As I was heading into work, I'm like, I can't wait to watch this later. Yeah, it's definitely worth the watch. Uh, Oh, maybe you can watch on
0: the airplane if you can download it. Uh, I will give it a shot. Next, we should bring up the uh, now passing of Tom Sizemore, Mm. who was in Passenger 57, which we just talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, He unfortunately obviously had a lot of health issues, and he has since passed away. So may he rest in peace. Condolences to his family and friends, because apparently he was a beloved member of Hollywood. He just had a lot of demons.
1: Um, you know, you you can't work in as many films as he worked in at every level of filmmaking without having uh, without making friends along the way. That's the, for sure.
0: Yeah, there you go. Good call. Good call. Uh, also our friend Bruce Willow the Bruce Willow uh, podcast has started an amazing new segment everyone needs to try out they're called uh, the training tape so it's like a very VHS feel where he does a whole workout they're usually like 15-20 minutes it's like a whole uh-huh. workout designed around the movie he's watching Oh, yeah and he'll kind of commentate mostly on the training but then he'll occasionally like cut back to the, the video and commentate on that uh, but mostly just because he's an amazing trainer and he gives such good scientific advice uh, I watched The Fist of Iron one with Michael Wirth, which was great, oh, which was very a favorite nice. one of mine. I had uh, taped off a TV copy on VHS, which he also has because it has the Portuguese subtitles on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> he just did a kickboxer one with Van Dam, So those oh, are great. Check nice. it out. The Bruce Willow podcast. It's uh, exclusively YouTube. So this is YouTube yeah. content. Great YouTube content. Uh, He's a, he has a fun channel. Oh, I really it's enjoy super watching. watching. It's yeah. like, it blows my mind that there isn't like millions of followers on there. It's it's it, it relatively small in comparison to some of the other influencers but i think also a lot of that has to do with how authentic it keeps it right like you know we all know how this game works you got to be like inauthentic in a sense you know to gain a lot or a lot of clickbait and uh he doesn't do that so he just makes amazing content so everyone go out there support him follow him share like subscribe all that stuff like you should be doing with us thank you very much uh and uh my last bit of news this week, once again, lots of great news is, and I want to get the exact name of it, make sure I don't get it wrong, but there's been a, a new short film that just came out with Jackie Chan, and I yes, sent that to you. you did send it to me. And it's called
1: A Beauty Carved in Time. Now, did you watch it? So, I have not watched it yet. Okay. And it's only because I'm planning to watch it on the plane, Um. But tell me about it.
0: It's definitely a, a tearjerker. Uh, it's it, it's a short film, obviously not a martial arts film where Jackie's kind of, he's playing himself pretty much, but he's kind of uh, a memory in uh-huh. a, a gentleman's mind. A, a gentleman that is, uh, you know, slowly withering away from dementia it appears and it kind of plays back and forth from his now old age to his youth where he used to go to a local like so this is mainland china like not even a cinema like a local little room where they would play jackie chan vhs tapes and it's like it's like his memory trying to remember like the, these movies of that he used to love to watch in mm-hmm. Jackie Chan. And so it's like, he, he goes back into his memory and he has a conversation with Jackie Chan. And it's, it's very, very moving. I'm, I, you know, I'm a little more susceptible to that stuff, uh, especially with my dad's own battle with his brain disease. So, yeah. you know uh, but definitely a great performance from Jackie, a great performance from the leading actor. Definitely check it out.
1: I, I, I certainly will. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're te-
0: you're telling the listeners. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely worth a watch, and it's it's always great to see Jackie because I think Jackie's an amazing actor. I don't think he gets enough credit for his. I mean, and the thing, yeah, he's been nominated over the years, but it's funny, like the roles he's been nominated for in Hong Kong and the Golden Horse Awards, which is like the Hong Kong and the Taiwan version of the Oscars. He's been in for like Super Cop, and which don't get me wrong, I love Super Cop, but I'm like, come on, like what about you know like something like even Miracles
1: or Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, Miracle <laughs> Miracles is a classic that somehow gets overlooked despite everyone acknowledging that it's a classic and i mean even you like for me i love project A two as well but you know if there's any doubt as to his depth and caliber of acting i mean we've we've we understand his comedy but i mean there's also uh there's also a crime story Oh There's yeah! Also, uh,
0: I think he uh, did. He did win for crime story though. For okay. the well, Golden I mean, yeah. over here he didn't. Well, he didn't win. get anything. Yeah. But crime story is yeah. an incredible performance. It as is well. an incredible
1: performance. Yeah,
0: and let's not forget about his cameo in Super Cop Two, where he's in drag.
1: Oh, or, or yeah, yeah, or uh, in Ong Bak, where he walks by at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay, <laughs> obviously it's it's a look alike. It's a Jackie Chan look alike. <laughs> For those that are wondering, wait—he well, was an Bok, That was Jackie Chan. We're going to get I quoted w- I on that. I
1: went to the movie twice, trying to confirm if it was if it was Jackie Chan or not. Definitely uh, not. But no, no, I know, I know. But as a, I know, yeah. But as as a as a younger man, when I was told that was Jackie, I like went back, and you can't. It's a movie theater, so I can't wait for it to come out on VHS or DVD deposits. I'm like watching the airport scene again. I'm like. ah. I don't think so. Yeah, nope, not uh, definitely not. I remember when I first saw it, when it first came out, when
0: I had on VCD uh, that I got, uh, VCD that I got in Chinatown, I remember mm-hmm. like, oh, that guy looks like Jackie Chan a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's probably supposed yeah. to be there. That's the whole point. But never was I actually, or if anybody was telling me, yeah, bro, that was Jackie Chan, I would have been like, yeah, bro, you need some glasses. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you don't have movie quotes for me today. You have no. questions. Paguntas. Yes. See? See. Si. Yes.
1: So, so the questions. The, uh, las preguntas. See. Si. Las yes. preguntas. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yes, questions. <laughs> okay. And what am I saying yes to? Uh, I'm just saying questions. Oh yes, I do have questions. Uh so, you know, ba- I I wanted to to narrow the scope a little bit for the for where you can pull these answers from. Uh but essentially based on all the great films we've reviewed so far. Uh I want to know if there was a character you necessarily gravitated towards and not just a character I want to talk about if you could fight like this character on film if you could so let let's basically I'll ask you a few questions directly first. Uh, is there a film that we've reviewed where there's a character that of all the characters we reviewed, this is the one whose fighting style you want oh man.
0: Because now the the harder question is, what movies have we reviewed? <laughs> so, I know so many, uh, and you know, and, and I was gonna ha- say,
1: I was gonna say, can't include comfort, but I'm like, no, it has to include comfort films. Yeah. So if if there's like because that would, I felt like a lot of our answers would, because I was thinking if I were answering these questions, a lot of them would pull from the comfort films. But even then, you have to remember what we've discussed.
0: All right, this is going to be a total cop out answer, but <laughs> I'm going to use. Uh, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham from (laughs) riding wrong, simply because, not just because he's my sensei or coach, but if I could fight with his style, I'd be one of the best in the world. Like he was one of the best in the world in his prime, one of the best ever to do it. So I know that's a cop-out answer, but that's what my brain automatically goes to. Because for me, I'm always thinking about kickboxing muay thai like real life how i can use in competition now let's say i was all done with competing and stuff then i would maybe switch over to someone like a little more uh, i don't know maybe i would pick the skills of cynthia rothrock or something right or like you know wushu based or something along those lines or even like uh keith cook harubayashi right Mm. or you know uh, or donnie yen or anybody right but for right now my answer peter sugarfoot cunningham in writing
1: that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, I feel like for me, even though he doesn't make it to the final level, I really liked Yun Biao in Eastern Condors. Oh. Wait, I mean, Yun Biao makes wait, it, He does. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, Samuel
0: is the final victor. Well, yeah, more or less. Uh, okay, yeah. I like it. I like it. Now, why? Obviously, I said why I, and by the way, uh, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham could also be from. Did we do No Retreat, No Surrender? Yes, I, okay.
1: we did in a comfort,
0: yes. So I'm switching to No Retreat, No Surrender because technically his character was a kickboxer in that film. So there we go. Uh, so now, why did you pick Yuan Biao in Eastern Condors?
1: I, well, I would have loved to have picked him in. Um, in uh dragons forever but i I, was thinking, I felt like eastern condors because he had a little more survival aspects and also he he incorporated his soccer skills in the jungle ah. but the jungle sequence for sure they see i like that i like that definitely uh
0: kicking the whatever it was. was it was it a coconut or
1: coconut ish yeah. i don't know
0: coconut ish yeah because i don't think it would make sense for it to be a coconut but ah, i like that i like that you're bringing in both your love of martial arts
1: and your love of football well and it it's a tangible or, or attainable just like you you picking a peter sugar for cunningham it's it's who you train with and why not it's tangible all right a couple two more questions okay of all of the characters we've reviewed who do you see yourself most like and i know you want to say stingray definitely
0: don't want to say Stingray <laughs> uh, characters. Who I see myself most like, I think that's, that's pretty easy. Like instinctually, the first one that comes to mind and truthfully from the heart would be black dynamite.
1: Uh, I thought so. I yeah. thought so.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a lot in common, uh, the way we live our lives, you know, I agree. Yeah. It's a <laughs> talking to you is like talking to black dynamite. Dynamite, dynamite. No, actually, if that is an excellent question though, in all seriousness to, which character do I find myself the most like? Now I'm I'm trying to go back and think about movies we watched and uh or comfort films or you know what? Uh oh now ooh ee uh uh hmm. So, I'm Actually, I think I have the names written right here, which is perfect. No, I don't. Uh I am going to go with uh and this is, and there may be one just off the top of my head. Though this is the one that automatically uh, comes to mind. I think has a lot of elements similar to my own. Is the character? I'm trying to think of the exact character's name. Uh, was it uh, Chosen? Or hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on, hold on. Well, <laughs> I thought you were picking
1: Chosen. No, 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 the no. no. you said that I'm like that's that's unique.
0: And uh, I have two more questions okay. after
1: this to wrap up to wrap up this segment. I got this. Give me one second.
0: No, that's not right. Damn it. Okay. Sorry, listeners. The listeners await for okay. the response. What the hell, Wikipedia? Pardon my French, sorry. I would say
1: that... Uh, okay, here we go. I found it. I found okay. it. So,
0: uh, uh, the character of Giru from Korobi. Oh, I see that. Yeah, because... Obviously, he's devoted himself to the martial arts, to uh, karate, and you know he, he, he lives by the word of his sensei and the code of honor and bushido and so forth. But his problem is, like mine, is uh, in the in the past. I'd say is sometimes a reluctance to really go all out, right? Like he he's defensive a lot, and you know sometimes not sometimes his character is trigger shy in a sense, right? He will not use his karate offensively. And even in me throughout my fight career, I've been you know, known for my movement and stick and move, stick and move. And sometimes I have been trigger shy or hesitant to really just you know, lay it all out there. So that's mm-hmm. something I work on. And same thing he had to learn to add to his style to truly come like full circle in his karate
1: journey. So that's my answer. That's a great answer. Thank much you. better, much better than what I was going to go with. But I'm still going to go with what I was going to go with. Preston Michaels.
0: Okay, okay. Because because I, like that, I like that
1: he's relaxed. He's okay. got his life figured out. He's got a great duster, which, by the way... Hey, it's a great a duster. duster. He's got a great motorcycle, oh, particularly in yeah. Raging Honor Part 2. Yeah, so you're going more from like that's what like
0: twelve year old AJ would have said for sure too. It's like man, because I wanted to grow up to be Richard Norton. Like, yes. I met him when I was what fourteen, and it was like, I'm I want he and in real life when I met him, he had this sick ass leather jacket. It was like a tannish leather jacket, and yeah, man, like I still want to so, be Richard Norton. But
1: I mean, he he had the, he had the beads hanging in the door frame. I mean, his apartment in Rage and Honor too was a great looking apartment. Like I know he was on the run from the law, but. He had it pretty good
0: in Jakarta,
1: like you know. And he was not stressed about it. And he goes back and he, you know, clears things up. Um, Okay, two more questions. Okay, one is villain based. One of the great scenes in so many of the great scenes that we've talked about always had this great counter uh, between great protagonist and fantastic villain. One of the great scenes in cinema history is Robert De Niro sitting down with Al Pacino in Heat in a diner. Right. Okay. What villain in from the martial arts world are you sitting down in a diner to have coffee with?
0: Holy cannoli. Super interesting question. Wow.
1: And by the way, I'm reading Heat 2 right now, the book, and that's at this this There's is where Heat all 2 these 2 questions book? are inspired. There's a Heat 2 book written by Michael Mann. And it's uh, it's it's essentially a prequel. And also then it like cuts back to the present day where he's still looking for Val Kilmer.
0: Oh, interesting. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what villain had a lot of depth, a lot of, you know, where it was one of those honorable battles. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. just want to talk to, I don't know, rubber legs from Drunken Master. I don't think I'd have much to say to <laughs> Huang Li. Like uh, it, it would have to be, oh, wow, that's... Uh, A villain from a martial arts movie. Let's think, 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 think. As I'm looking over at my Blu-ray collection, just trying to find anything that would maybe. uh, Bridget Nielsen, Mission of Justice? Well, the funny part is I just saw Sidekicks. And I was thinking Joe Piscopo (laughs) from Sidekicks. Uh, But no. uh, I'm sorry, I
1: should have said Brigitte. Right? Not Bridget.
0: I believe that's correct. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna have to take a rain check on that one. Who would be yours?
1: Mm. Well, I of course want to gravitate towards, uh, Charles Rain because of just the lines he delivers. And in a way he would be like coaching me. This is your, you know, those are emotions acting without the, without your intellect and all that kind of stuff. But, mm, you know, an easy cop-out answer would be Samuel hung from SPL. Mm. And I I just thought of a a new one for me. So, and this is
0: actually going off of a previous episode of uh, the Kung Fu Genius because Sifu Alex was talking about like a sequel or a prequel to Enter the Dragon. He doesn't usually support those, but but how it'd be interesting to know more about the character of Han. Like how he became an exile from the Shaolin Temple. So maybe I'd sit down with Han. Uh, There you go. Yeah, and and then I would obviously, you know, be a jerk about and be like, hey, do you need a knife? Oh yeah, never mind. (laughs) because we're at a diner right and you know he's gonna cut his food (laughs) okay last
1: question let's go last question is um this one might yeah okay who who of all the masters on film are you seeking to be your master holy cannoli
0: uh hmm. i'm gonna go with uh xion from kickboxer Oh, but, I love I mean, it. Now, not, not that, not that his, yeah, not that his methods necessarily on film. It's like that's not real Muay Thai, but he technically is the greatest trainer of Muay Thai of like in the cinematic world, right? That's what he's supposed Absolutely. to be. So, I mean, if he could turn me into the next, you know, greatest thing, I'm going to go to see
1: Oh, that that's a really good answer. I love that answer and it's like blown my it's like uh shifted my mind a little bit. Um and you took a rain check, right? Did you got that answer though? I can't take a rain check right now. Um, I'm going to go with Prodigal Son because I love how good choice. You know, great student that's teacher a safe r- choice, but yes.
0: great student teacher relationship there too, though. You know, like yeah. now the question is, who are you going with, Lungi Tai or Samo?
1: Not Samo. Yeah. Okay. Sam- good call. Yeah. Sam- Samo, the master you kind of manipulate into teaching you. Yeah. And, we, and, and we've seen a great, we've seen a few, like uh, even in Warriors 2, great scenes like that as well. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. The, the, just that relationship they have, it's it's quite, quite the emotional relationship. So thank you for answering the questions. Thank you for fielding them. Uh, I feel like the audience has gotten to know you and us a little better. Just a little bit.
0: Just a little bit. Just a, just a little bit. Okay. So are we ready to talk about the film we are talking about today? Absolutely. So- We say action classic a lot, but today this truly is an action classic. We are talking about the 1987 action adventure film, The Magnificent Warriors, starring the one and only, and I'm saying it now even though we're recording it, on March 4th, Academy Award winning actress, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, and obviously featuring a great supporting cast uh indeed th- that we'll get to later but directed by David Chung and released by DnB films so yeah. the not off forgotten but casual fans may not even know that obviously Shaw brothers all the way up till the mid 80s classic kung Fu cinema golden Harvest a lot uh, you know contemporary throughout the 80s early 90s but DnB uh was started in the mid 80s to kind of compete with the two of them and release some absolutely amazing action films uh, and we'll get to talking about that shortly but yes today we are talking about magnificent warriors uh a period not well i guess nowadays we could say period set but a world war ii set uh film uh set in japanese occupied china and then closer to tibet as well the mm-hmm. storyline and it features uh michelle yo as a pilot more or less, a pilot, adventurer, uh, well-skilled in martial arts and everything like that, that takes on a mission for the Chinese military to try and rescue and extract a prince of a nation close to Tibet where their whole city is pretty much, the Japanese are trying to use it as a place to build a new chemical factory for chemical warfare. So mm-hmm. uh Real quick. Let me turn on the lights in this room because it is getting dark. One second. It is
1: this this is getting Yeah. One man in the dark seeks to shed light on the dark. AJ Retardi. Okay, yeah, sorry about the electrician. that. Folks.
0: What? Oh, I just did a little trailer for you. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Then maybe I won't have to edit out that uh, space of time. So, yeah, Magnificent Warriors. Now, when was the first time you saw this film?
1: Uh, I cannot recall specifically, but I believe I rented it from 2020 video uh, in the space that is adjacent to Van Nuys and Encino right over there's a there's a river there so I don't know if that's Burbank Encino Van Nuys whatever I rented it from there and I, I was going through a ton of movies at the time so I can't tell you when I first rented it but that 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 was probably like 2001 one two.
0: okay wow cool very early on uh it would be similar for me. Now, this is part of this is pretty much like the original trilogy of Michelle Yeoh action films. And yes, I know she had obviously been uh in the Al versus Bumbo. She had a cameo in Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. But her first three starring roles were for DB films, Yes Madam, uh, Royal Warriors, and then mm-hmm. this film Magnificent Warriors, no relation, just have Warriors in the title. And Yes, Madam, I had on DVD that I picked up in Chinatown. So only in Chinese with subtitles, uh, a a Taishang release. Thanks, Frank Jang. What's up? Uh, And then I also had a VHS copy of Royal Warriors dubbed in English, the classic English dub. Uh, But this one, I believe was actually the, the last one I got, but around that same time. And it was the Fortune Star DVD. So it had a brand new English dub, not the classic English dub. Didn't really bother me because I still loved it. So same thing. It would have been around that time, probably 2001 to 2002, 2003, around there is when I would have first gotten my hands on this film. If not sooner, but I think around then because that's when like a lot of the Fortune Star DVDs started coming out Mm -hmm. because a lot of these films I had already had on VHS through Tai Sang, and then they suddenly started getting DVD releases. So that's when I would have first seen it. Now... This film, and the thing is, with with and b pictures, the, they're very unique, and for uh, my research for this, the main thing I did was I listened to the audio commentary by Frank Jang, and I also uh, watched the behind-the-scenes footage. I'd seen some of those interviews before, but uh, pretty much so... D&B was founded by, most famously, Dixon Poon, who would be mm-hmm. later become Michelle Yeoh's husband. And she would retire actually after doing this movie. Uh, excuse me. She did Easy Money after this and then retired. They later divorced. And then that's when she came out of retirement and did Supercop, which coincidentally enough was because Stanley Tong worked on this film. And you see yes. him in there. He's a stuntman. Yes. And he, you know, years later, he's doing Supercop. Michelle Yeoh coming out of retirement. And he says to Jackie, we've got to get Michelle Yeoh to star in this film. At this point in time, though, her English name was Michelle Kahn. So that's why even in the credits, you see Michelle Kahn. And there may be some confusion. when People are doing research about stuff or looking things up up because at d films they thought michelle khan would be easier to pronounce anywho so d films was actually founded by dixon poon john shum the well-known comedian actor mm-hmm. writer producer and Samo. but it was kind of like as as great as these films they made were you know incredible action pictures the three aforementioned michelle yo ones the in, in the line of duty series Mm-hmm. There was trouble from the start. So Samo kind of left pretty much early on after D&B decided to get into theater chains as well because he didn't want to upset <clears throat> Golden Harvest. And he's like, all right, I'm stepping down. Then uh, John Shum apparently had issues when they did the film Easy Money and decided to make it Michelle Yeoh not do like any action or fight scenes. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't like this idea. Dixon Poon would eventually like step down and somebody else would step up. And then, you know, it was just. Chaos and they didn't really last much longer uh, past the early 90s. But uh anywho, the the idea of DB was they wanted to make uh films that targeted the upper middle class and had an international feel, which this film obviously displays that international type feel. And you know, they that's why they had a lot of foreigners in their films, and because Dixon Poon came, you know, the money was coming from his family's business line of high-end watches and jewelry, right? So they wanted that same thing. They wanted to have the Uh, feel of upper middle class, uh, and they wanted to have a higher class image to their pictures as opposed to maybe like lowbrow or, you know, just straight – Old school kung fu pictures were were very localized or you know geared towards local audiences, even though they sold well to fans
1: overseas. So that was the idea behind D pictures, and you you can you can see that and feel that in a lot of their films. Like even in this one, it it does have a little bit of a. I mean the the airplane sequences. I I don't think I have ever seen to the best of my knowledge, at least as I, as I was watching this airplane sequences like this in Hong Kong cinema. Period. Well, did, I mean, there are a few others that come to mind, but this was like this was some top notch stunt work. Well, do you know where they filmed it? Where do they film it? America. <laughs> I was going to say it felt it felt like the great Waldo uh, Pep. I'm getting the film mixed up, but the, it, it felt a lot like the uh, Robert Redford film. Oh, great okay. Waldo Pepper.
0: Yes. Uh, right. So the film was filmed in three different places. Obviously, on studio in Hong Kong, but primarily in Taiwan. That's where they mm-hmm. built the fictional city of uh, I think Put, uh, let's hear Putan, right? Uh, which is supposed to be the Eastern Himalayas between China and India. Uh, so sorry, the city of Cal, the the country is real, Bhutan, but the city of Cal is fictionalized. Uh, Bhutan is in the eastern Himalayas between China and India near Tibet. So they built this ginormous city uh, in Taiwan because they, they couldn't have country landscape like that without buildings inside in Hong Kong. And so, you know, they went to Taiwan, which I've always wondered, I'm like, where did they film this? Because it looks like Tibet. So they did it a does. really good job of just picking like local uh, scenery and landscape in Taiwan that fit and then with the amazing set design makes you think that they're in Tibet. But for the airplane sequence, uh, so there's a sequence where a Japanese uh fighter pilot is trying to take out Michelle Yo. That was filmed in America. So and probably according to Frank jing a lot of her airplane sequences just in general were filmed in America, which actually, or maybe even all of them when it's actually flying, because there's a lot of close-ups of her, but it's always, you know, obviously in a studio as they cut away to the action. And You know, that would be because otherwise they would have had to bring the airplane back and forth or, you know what I mean? But that just goes to show, because this film also had a large budget. So it was made uh, for, uh, excuse me, the budget was 20 million Hong Kong dollars, which is 3 million US, which at that time
1: for a Hong Kong picture is huge. Uh, Yeah, particularly a Hong Kong picture that is outside from... Outside of the the Jackie Chan Samuel oh, yeah. realm, I mean that's that's a legitimate we're we're going for a budget.
0: Yeah. So once again, back to the basic premise premise of the plot. So Michelle Yeoh is very much an Indiana Jones type character. In fact, I was just rewatching the beginning. So once again, folks, I watched this movie multiple times just so I could bring you knowledge. But I was rewatching bits of it this morning, and Jessica, who's never seen this one, she's sitting there with me for a second. She's like, "Oh, it's." So she's like Indiana Jones, the first thing. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> she she's in a very Indiana Jones looking outfit. She has uh-huh. a whip. Yes, yeah, she uh, does. But Michelle Yeoh makes it her own with her charisma because she's so, she's, and I, I'm trying to word this correctly. She is so masculine and feminine at the same time. She's still graceful and, you know, beautiful. And she even has like little cheeky moments where it's like almost like, peace sign, like, Hee! you know, like, a, uh, but then she just kicks butt in a way that is on par with any of her male co-stars at that time, or excuse me, male contemporaries or counterparts at that time, right? And the crazy part is she doesn't come from a martial arts background. Now, for those that don't know, she comes from an extensive ballet background. In fact, professionally, that's what she was studying uh, in London in college where she had a back injury and couldn't keep. Performing as a professional dancer, so with that professional dance background, though she was able to learn martial arts, I'd say quite quickly, but also put in the time. You've in interviews in the past, she's talked about you know training six to eight hours a day with the stunt boys, as she calls them. You know, she had to learn fast. But the crazy part is, I think a lot of that dance background gave her the rhythm because when you see her like doing more kickboxing type sequences, it's pa 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 pa. She's got that rhythm. She knows how to perform on screen, and I think you know under the tutelage of obviously working on pictures of sam hung and i mean she did a commercial with jackie early on but pretty much sam mm-hmm. hung and even in this film having Tung wai as a fight choreographer and fung huk on from you know this sam hung stunt team who also has a part in this film you're working with the best of the best and so she just displays this martial arts ability where you know First of all, her kicks in this film are fantastic, powerful sidekicks, powerful spinning back kicks. Every kick she does is powerful, but she does a great job with like her boxing hands, and that's something that even the best of performers cannot do. Even a lot of the Shaw Brothers guys, as the 80s came and the old school kung fu movies were vanishing and they had to switch to this contemporary Hong Kong kickboxing style choreography, they just couldn't do it I mean they could get the rhythm down obviously but it's like one hand would be down at their hips where it should be up near their chin if, if it's really trying to look more modern and she just
1: does an amazing job of that it, throughout no you're absolutely right it's what I really appreciated about her well as we were re-watching this film and the choreography is how the sequences as they would have normally ended for other performers then it continued on. Like the, there are so many group fighting sequences or escape, fight, escape, fight, movement, movement. There's so much intricate movement in this film that uh, it it really is a dance. It yes. really is a it really is a dance, and it's it's. Uh, it's just blended so well between that kickboxing kind of, you know, you, you have some traditional, you have a feel of traditional Kung Fu in there. You have some whip work in there, but you have a lot of like, I don't want to say Jackie Chan style of like Mr. Nice guy running and then stopping to evade fight. It's, it's just this constant flowing movement. Uh, It's really well done. And it's, it's in many ways, you know, uh, my friend, uh, Marvin and I, we, we used to talk about like who clears a room the best, like who do you actually believe? And like, you know, I think you and I have talked about this about Chuck Norris in code of silence there. You know, uh, my Marvin talks about Tom Laughlin. I've spoken about like Samuel hung, even in the bodyguard, the way it's shot, it's believable as he's like clearing the room. There is a sequence where I feel like Michelle Yeoh is clearing essentially the room, even though it's outside twice in an absolutely believable fashion because of the dancing aspect of it, just the constant movement. It's really fantastic. It's 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 distinctly hers. You can't say it's like, oh, this or this or that. It is a distinct choreography set to what she can do. And it's really pleasing to see.
0: Yeah. And for the most part, there's really not a whole lot of doubling for her. It's all her. There's 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 only a, a and even a lot of the stunt work you see it's clearly her uh and frank jang talked about that on the commentary as well there was like one flip sequence i thought okay she's probably doubled for that but yeah so basic plot we've got michelle Yeoh who plays fuck ming ming an adventurer pilot who works with her grandfather who's like very famous his old military buddy shows up they request that she helps them on the secret mission so she has to go to uh this, uh, once again, fictional city of Cal where she will be rescue, or I should say extracting uh, the leader of the city, Yoda. Yes, Yoda, Yoda, uh, who has information about the Japanese building this chemical plant. He wants nothing to do with it, but he's technically already let them in. And so he's kind of a guilty player, but not really. Anywho, in exchange for giving them the information about the chemical plant, they have to. Extract him. So she has to meet up with Secret Agent 001, played by uh Derek Yee, uh, mm-hmm. who is a Shaw Brothers star, filmmaker, and so forth. Inadvertently, Richard Ng gets mixed up in it, a con man uh mm-hmm. that resides in the city or is at least wandering through, kind of like a Clint Eastwood type character, but very comical instead. But he eventually ends up becoming part of the heroic trio, you can call them. And in yes. the finale, does his part in saving a lot of lives and you know proves to be a valuable asset we have uh so and uh lao lo plays uh yoda who uh we would remember from Pedicab driver great role there
1: mm-hmm. did you just click your mouse i i i moved it yes yeah you heard it yes it's on the other side sorry i was trying to
0: move it away okay. no worries uh we've got uh cindy lao chindai as chin chin who is kind of yoda's unofficial girlfriend that you know is infatuated with him. Uh and then we have the evil general toga played by Matsui Tetsuya, who mm-hmm. is actually a protege of uh oh. Darn it. Oh my my tired brain. Uh yes Karata. Karata Sensei. Oh yeah. Yes. i mean, once again I'm, dro- I'm going from i, Chinese I been going to, to help you out with yeah, that one. That's all right. He was a protege karata sensei. Uh and uh went over to work in hong kong but only really did two films this one and lucky stars go places where he was the villain in that one he has a great mm-hmm. ending fight sequence with andy Lau and sam great great on-screen
1: yeah. charisma and 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 believability in his fight sequences and one of the
0: only like classic golden harvest films from that era that i ever caught on tv in mainland china
1: oh really yeah. wow randomly
0: yeah just, Very just cool. flipping through the channels i was like oh finally uh then we've also got lo mong in there as one of the uh So technically, like, one of the military guys from the city that is now aligned with the Japanese because he works directly under the great Huang Zhengli as uh, general—excuse me, as henchman number one, pretty much. So General Mm -hmm. Toga— uh, his number one henchman. And then you, there's a bunch of other well-known faces. I mean, Chu chi Ling, the famous Hungar Master, pops up in there. So these are our key characters. That's the setup for the story. Michelle Yeoh has to fly in there. She's supposed to extract Yoda, take him out. Obviously, things don't go according to plan. They end up having to stay, fight off the Japanese, defend the city. Uh, eventually, they are victorious in a sense, uh, and we get a pretty much happy ending. Uh, things don't go the way they had hoped, but at the end of the day, everything turns out okay and for us as the viewers we get an absolutely amazing action adventure picture very much the indiana jones like kind of feel but never does it feel like a ripoff at all
1: no it doesn't it's it's it is a it's one of a one of those great adventure films that doesn't feel knockoffish and it's it's a lot for me i love adventure i love the the armor of god's films the indiana jones films the old pirate films the not so old pirate films like project a and one and two like it has a great uh feel to it from that perspective and and you know what's funny is uh back in late january aj texts me he's like what do you want to do and i'm like how about we do a comedy right and you know we come up with black dynamite but i was thinking like what about a hong kong comedy he delivers magnificent seven to my doorstep and i had totally forgotten about richard Ng's like shenanigans and it's like this this is like <clears throat> magnificent within, magnificent warriors Magno, what what i say seven yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that it's okay like within within this Adventure film. There is a, an extended sequence of Hong Kong comedy that is still relatable to the general audience and isn't just uh, like anchored in Hong Kong audience comedy. This is
0: 100% true. And do you want to know one of the reasons why is the it was written by Ken Chung Tang, who later would go on to write a bunch of Stephen Chow films.
1: There you go. So
0: that's why it's very much uh, the Stephen Chow style comedy where it is based off of language. So this what happens is a lot of times when these films are dubbed into English, the comedy just does not translate, even though they'll do their best. It's like you're watching in the English dub like, Huh, what's going on? This one's a little bit different because of the main sequence where it's the play on words. They Mm -hmm. are able to dub it and write it in English well enough to where it's still kind of like, okay, you know, it's nowhere near as funny. But in Cantonese, it's literally a play on uh, words. So a lot of times, because uh, for those people that don't know in Cantonese or I can speak in Chinese, there's a lot of uh, homonyms, right, or whatever. Or, for example, the word "shu" has like 500 different meanings. So there's a lot of plays on words. words where it's like the same word means multiple meanings. And within like this sequence, though, it's a play on words. It's very punny, if you will. Yes,
1: It is. And, and and I mean, with Richard Eng, I mean, he's also one of the comedians or comedic actors who probably for the decade of the eighties, you know, maybe peaking with maybe book ending with winners and sinners on one early in the eighties and miracles in the far end of the eighties, including this film, uh, he is one of the people who can convey comedy, both intellectually and physically, uh, without it having to be action comedy, to a wider audience.
0: And this a lot of this has to do with his background. So Richard Ng actually immigrated over to the UK uh, earlier on in his life, and in the 1960s he was a uh, comedian and comic actor uh, for the BBC. Interesting. And so he was, uh, and then so he was very much influenced by. Uh, the Monty Python series. Yes. And, and uh, can, Peter Sellers and stuff yeah. like that, which actually made him more willing to put himself out there as a comedian. Like, even, you know, his whole naked sequence in. Uh, Winners and Sinners. Winners and Sinners, right? Like he was, you know, willing to do that kind of physical comedy and so forth. And he actually, you're going to like this, he started off as a writer for the Hui Brothers comedy series in Hong Kong when he came back. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And and he uh, he did pop into a few of their films along the way. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he, I I feel like he has this amazing ability to blend Western and Eastern comedy, which is maybe one of the reasons why the sequence in this film works so well, even dubbed into English is based off of that factor. It's not just exclusively like the Molay Tao, you know, Cantonese style comedy. It's also very physical, like kind of, or, you know, British style, you know, even the Monty Python series, or that's the thing about physical comedy can translate to any culture in the world, typically. So if you can add an element of that with the local, more localized comedy, then you're able to sell it a little bit better. But Really, we didn't come to talk about the comedy. We came to talk about the action. And if you like action, and if you like martial arts sequences, you will not be disappointed in this film. There is a ton of action. So we also have some great vehicle and stunt work choreographed Mm -hmm. by the great Blackie Ko, uh, the Mm -hmm. Taiwanese stunt uh, man that was famous. He just passed away recently, actually, or in the last couple of years, I think. Uh, He was famous for pretty much doing all the car stunts of the 80s. Like he just became the car or vehicle stunt guy. So we have some great car stunts and motorcycle stunts uh, and the action will interweave. So it'll be like they're in the Jeep, like crashing through stuff, get out of the Jeep, have some martial arts sequences, get back into the Jeep, get out of the Jeep, have a shoot em up sequence, get back into the Jeep, get out, have a weapon scene. It's like, it just flawlessly uh, blends together. And it, it's it's so well done. And so one of my favorite fight choreographers is Tong Wai, who is like the main, Stephen Tong Wai for a lot of our listeners, most famous from, as a, child, no, a teen actor in Enter the Dragon, the opening sequence with Bruce in the temple. Yep. Kick me. What was that? In exhibition, we need emotional content. So that's Tung Wai, the, the young man he's working with, who has done some incredible fight choreography uh, over the years and in this film in particular. And so it's not only that, it's also the way the fight, the cinematography, everything is so beautiful in this film. And they do a great uh, technique where, it's not really slow motion. They 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 switch up the what I believe is the shutter speed. So you get these sequences where it'll cut and then they'll do a sequence of movements where it's like this, not a blurred effect, not the Samo blurred effect. It's like a, the either the frame rate changes. I'm pretty sure it's something to do with the shutter speed. And it gives us this, this really cool stylized look for a few seconds mm-hmm. uh, that really accentuates the action. And then they'll cut back to the normal camera uh, style. But it's just a cool little flare that's added in there. But we get a lot of hand to hands it's, it's kind of the action is usually blended together like shoot them up with martial arts and this and that we do have a great just opening martial arts sequence with michelle yo when the the chinese army is testing her out and she doesn't know uh-huh. it it's, and she fights off pretty much it would be like some ninjas uh and she does the rope dart and that's the thing by watching her sequence with the rope dart you would think she was like a lifelong wushu practitioner for those of mm-hmm. you that don't know what the rope dart is just like you know, YouTube search Wushu rope dart and you'll see how hard this thing is to do and she makes it look flawless that and the whip work and everything else in there we also get some great uh, Japanese swordsmanship at the beginning uh, a little bit of pole work at some point mm-hmm. and then of course we have the phenomenal kicks of Huang Jing Li we, yes. we don't get to see much from Lo Meng unfortunately he throws he ends up kicking one girl in the head at one point and it looks like he really kicks her for real it's a great kick uh, wow I know. Uh, but uh, Wong Jing Lee really gets to cut loose and do a lot of his classic Taekwondo kicks once again. At this point, he had already been working in the modern style fight scenes for a couple of years. I mean, we all know he has a couple of great uh, uh, fight sequences. I mean, uh, Shanghai Express, a.k.a. Millionaire's Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's Officer Tuba? He has a great sequence in that yes. one, like contemporary style. So he was one of those practitioners that was able to transition flawlessly and i think that's because obviously his background was taekwondo the kicks right so and i I, he's just such a stone-faced killer in this one like in a lot of his roles just no emotion just kind of blank stare but it works perfect it's not like a lack of range
1: it's just the perfect choice
0: of a singular range
1: you you know you know it's funny there's a lot of like nuanced perfection in this film like mm -hmm. even even the wire work is done so freaking well
0: and real quick it's not the when he when gavin says "wild wire work we're not talking wuxia style wire work flying through the air and floating and flying no it's wire work too so we're talking jackie chan stunt team slash Sammo Hung stunt team style piano wire on the back as someone gets kicked <laughs> they get pulled that's the kind of wire work you're talking about right
1: Exactly, and there are some fantastic sequences.
0: Oh, yeah, it makes Michelle Yeoh's kicks look insane. Like, obviously, she's throwing them for real, hitting the stuntman for real, and then what it is is behind off-camera, the stuntmen are pulling on a piano wire that is so thin that you can't see on the camera, but it's strong enough where, like, six stunt guys can pull on this, so right as she kicks a stuntman, they'll pull on it, he'll go flying, and the crazy part is, yes, it's not, quote-unquote, realistic, but it doesn't look quote unquote fake
1: right you're right it's it, it's it ever and I, we've seen films where because of whether they're film fe- uh, speeding up the film or because the the wirework is too outlandish or what have you this this film balances it so well like I I I usually am not a few, fan of this piano wire wirework and because it so often just comes across as like it bre- it breaks the the illusion that that we're in a great fight sequence this does not do it all of a sudden it's like everything gets heightened when they when they add in this type of wire work it just heightens the scene it's so well done and like i said it's i think it's it's obviously not a nuanced trick but the way they do it is so well done that it 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 pulls us into the fights further rather than uh rejecting us as an audience
0: very well played. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that also is just, uh, look, look who is behind the camera once again. Yep. You know, we have Tung Wise, the main fire choreographer, Fung Harkon, I forget who the third listed one was, but apparently, according to Frank Jang on the audio commentary, I believe he said, Stanley Tong was like an assistant yep. you know, director of sorts. So he was, you know, working stunt stuff. Uh, we had the great Johnny Toe was a second unit director on the film, as in the director, yep. Johnny Toe. So, yep. I mean, just so many, it was an early- Project for a lot of great pioneers of the Hong Kong film industry. Mm -hmm. So you have all these genius minds working together. And we've mentioned it briefly, but also the set design and costume design, it's incredible. Like you think you're there in the Himalayas and this huge ginormous city they built they built it from scratch just in the middle of nowhere in Taiwan. And you're totally believe that you're there. So it gives that very exotic feel like you're on an Indiana Jones adventure, right? But, you know, when he goes to the Middle East and stuff, a very similar uh, feel in the sense of just, you're taken out of one environment and put in a completely different one.
1: And yeah. I I couldn't have said it better myself. It's just, I don't know. It's a fun little film that's actually... A big film. Oh it, yeah, it's it's just so uh, and, and and you know you're you're talking about there's so many geniuses working on the set, so many people that have gone on from this point in time and influenced our cinema today. I mean, we're well, obviously we're talking about Stanley Tong, Johnny Toe, but also Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. The way they have influenced how we see film today. This is 2023, so we're talking about 23, 33 about uh 2030 how many years i'm going with 35 years later these are people who have are still influencing us to this day or have influenced us throughout these decades since this film
0: Yeah, in definitely groundbreaking in the sense, and Michelle Yeoh being groundbreaking as a female action star, because, once again, early Hong Kong cinema, we had a lot of, uh, you know, female-based action roles. I mean, Chang Pei Pei, Come Drink With Me, being the main example. Uh, So the wuxia pictures had a strong female presence. I mean, even like A Touch of Zen, films like that. It was the films of Chang Che, which kind of took that away. You know, he was the one that started the hyperized masculinity the uh, Yangong aesthetic and bruce lee also helped accentuate that so then we go through the 70s and yes we had stars like angela Mao, who you know held the flag high for female action stars during that period but really and, and you know you had other stars uh also but it just wasn't as predominant but as soon as uh Yes Madam comes out in 1985 right with Michelle Yeoh. That was the beginning of this girls with guns subgenre. Michelle uh, Yeoh or well, Michelle Khan at the time does, you know, Royal Warriors and this one Magnificent Warriors and by this point we had this whole new genre of action female led action pictures again. And that is 100% based off of the the really the first film Yes Madam with Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock and how influential they were. But Michelle Yeoh is just a pioneer in that sense, but also a pioneer in the sense of bringing such great performances and having such a killer range on top of that, because don't get me wrong. I love all the female action stars from that era, but I mean, you know, Yukari Oshima didn't have the same screen presence as Michelle Yeoh, right? Moon Lee had amazing screen presence, but I, you know, I don't know if I would have at that time, you know, wanted to see her in a straight drama, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. Michelle Yeoh is an and I'm saying it now even though this is this is the past technically Oscar winner right she is and a, a you know golden globe winner she is an incredible one of the best actresses on the planet, who also happens to be one of the best action stars, male or female, of all time. And, you know, that was she, she did her run for a, a few films, makes all these classic action pictures, then retires, then is like, F it, I'm coming out of retirement, and continues to make amazing pictures. And she continuously has. She's kind of like Cher, where she had like a number one hit for like five decades in a row, like the 60s, uh-huh. the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and then the 2000s, right? Like, well, guess what? I believe in yo after yo. Because Michelle Yo is the same way, right? (laughs) She comes in in the 80s, you know, has these three pictures we've talked about. Then comes back in the 90s. Okay. And then suddenly in the early 2000s with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? And then uh, even in the the 2010s, you know, she was popping up in stuff like Reign of Assassins, right? And then now Mm in the 2020s, she's suddenly in everything, everywhere, all at once. She's not going anywhere, and she's still one of the best, and you even see how great she still is at performing action. So, Michelle Yeoh, one of the GOATs, both acting-wise and action-wise, and there's very few people that we can say that about. In fact, I don't know, maybe back to that Black Belt magazine question you always bring up, who's the best martial arts actor in Hollywood?
1: Maybe it is Michelle Yeoh. You know what? It... I can't think of an argument for otherwise, and why would I want to?
0: There you go. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Let's wrap this episode up. We're we're right at our
1: uh, hour mark. Any closing thoughts? You know, I think I think your your monologue at the end there, speaking speaking to uh, Miss Yo's impact on film and culturally and in this world, it it, it said it all. Well, you when know, this- she
0: when she listens to this episode. I just want to know how much I appreciate her when she listens I, I, th- to yes. this episode.
1: And, and so on your Mount Rushmore, you actually have four Michelle Yo's, right? Just from each oh, decade. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, there heck, you go. Heck yeah. You know it. You know. All right, my man. Well, safe travels and have an amazing Life. time in Japan. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I'll,
1: I'll be in touch when I can.
0: Take lots of pictures. I will. Eat lots of food. Oh, I will. Like lots of food. Even if you're not hungry, just force yourself to eat.
1: Oh, I'm going to be eating from yeah. the moment I get off that plane. Or actually, I'll say from the moment I get on the bullet train, you I know, will be eating.
0: You know what you got to get Until I get off
1: the bullet train heading home. You got to get some good udon. Like, oh, I haven't yeah. had a good bowl of udon noodles, like the thick style ones in a yes. long time. I'm craving I, that. I'm going to Takamatsu, which is basically the udon capital of the world. Heck yeah. I'll be there. All right, my man. I'll take some pictures. Sounds like a plan.
0: Have a fun trip, and we will all see you when you get back. Sounds good to me. All right. Peace, my man. Take care.